When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Great guest here for you today, Jason Smith of Huddle It Up Films. Jason, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well, Ken. Thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. You know that. I appreciate all the draft things you did and all the shows we've done this summer have just been a great pleasure. We want to been a while since you've been on. It feels like it's been a long time since you've been (laughs) on the show, despite the fact you were on a lot this summer. Man, I just love it anytime I can come on. And I think that this is a really interesting series. A lot of great ideas and guests. So I'm happy to contribute my concern for which I think is a very well-rounded team. So just off the top of the bat, I I just want to say that uh, I don't have any major, major concerns. But uh, what this podcast is about, I'll explain to everybody why I'm a little bit concerned or why it could be a, 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 a stumbling block for this team. All right. So the concern series, I think you just outlined very well exactly what we're trying to get at. And these are what end up being, I think, all fairly minor points about a very well-built team. And I think it's it's fun to do it when it's that because everybody kind of is backpedaling as they start. You know, well, I, I have this concern, but it's not that major a concern because, hey, look, this team looks, looks pretty good to me. But let's talk about yours. Yeah, first world problems with the Ravens, for sure, just to (laughs) make a joke there at the beginning. But uh, I wanted to talk about what you refer to as a, what is it, a four and a zero? Four four men? Four man pass rush. Four man. With no trickiness, right? With no trickiness. So a lot of times, as your viewers or listeners know, the Ravens will bring four pass rushers, but a couple of them might be a safety or a cornerback. Uh, I'm specifically talking about when four expected rushers are rushing the quarterback. Can we get pressure with those four, I'll call them big guys, maybe for just the simplicity's sake. Can we get a pass rush with the four big guys up front? Right. So it happens in particularly on early downs a lot where you have a four-man pass rush with one of the outside linebackers on the strong side dropping. Yes. Five five across. It also happens on, on some passing downs where you decide to show nothing special 
uh, uh, on uh, in terms of having a four-man rush, and you don't bring anybody from linebacker, slot corner, whatever you might. It also occurs sometimes, and I'm, I don't know if you're including this or not, when you show simulated pressure by having two linebackers or linebacker and safety in the A-gap, and then you drop them out and you just rush the base four. Are you including that or are you? what are we talking about here? Yes, I'm, I'm trying to get to the base of it in the most simplistic terms uh, available. I'm assuming that we're facing a good offensive line, a good quarterback, uh, a good coordinator, a well-prepared team to where, uh, you know, Wink might not be able to get too much out of being too, too tricky. Uh, I mean, Wink's at the top of the game when it comes to that. But, hey, when we're facing the Cleveland Browns and they, they have this great offensive line, or when we're playing Patrick Mahomes, who can drift away from pressure, situations where we want to drop our seven best coverage guys into coverage uh, and not have to play any games with the pass rush, can we do that? Can we can we get our four best pass rushers on the field, our seven best coverage guy for whatever situation, whatever team we're facing, and get some pressure, maybe not even sacks, just make it a problem for that good quarterback and that good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's uh, certainly ideal. And one of the basic tenets of football is that you really, if, if a team can get f- consistent four-man pressure, they will be very successful defensively. It's hard to fail if you get consistent four-man pressure. And in particular, that's something I think of the Cincinnati Bengals getting against the Ravens in, you know, for a lot of the Flacco era. Um, and there have been other teams as well, but but teams I, I often associate with it are uh, teams that play the 4-3, have two defensive ends, they're bigger up front, they tend to be better in terms of pass rushing with a, with a more pure three technique who's a rusher. Uh, and the Ravens don't start with that. Yeah, and we've seen it in the biggest of games, Ken, that, you know, this the last game we've seen, the Super Bowl, you know, how a pass rush can really disrupt the best of the best in the biggest situations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the roster and, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to start with the outside linebacker crew, if that's okay. Please. Sure. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have six linebackers on this team. It looks, uh, looks like, but of course, when it comes time for activation, may only cut that down to five, uh, which is a positive, uh, you know, being able to rotate or rest when players are banged up. But, uh, the Justin Houston edition is uh, is something that I'm optimistic about, but at the same time, I'm a little skeptical on this, Ken, because of his age and wear and tear. Mm-hmm. So uh, certainly he's at, at 33, I believe now. Um, he is, if he's not 33 now, he'll be 33 all, very it, soon. Yes, it'll be in January. He's he's closer to 33. 10 seasons accrued, so, or into his 10th season, I believe. And actually, work, we call that age near birthday is 33, so that's, that's good. Okay, uh, so, anyway, Houston... Been declining a little bit as a pass rusher. Obviously, he was a phenomenal pass rusher when he was in his prime about seven years ago, maybe. But, uh, you know, he's been declining a little bit the last couple of years as a pass rusher. Uh, I think what will really help him is getting a fewer snaps, which he absolutely certainly will with Wink. I would expect him to be in the 40% range for snacks. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a reasonable? I think that's a great plan. Great plan. Uh, Looked at his snap counts. Uh, It was between 50 and 60 for. Uh, argument's sake. I think one was 61% or 62, but the last three years, it was between 50 and 60%. He was healthy for all those games. And yes, 40% would be great because um, when I looked at Houston on tape, I took two of his, what I considered average games, average tackles, uh, pressures, that kind of thing. And I made cutups for him on their, on my channel. And I also looked at his three sack game against Jacksonville. So I really wanted to get 
a good idea of what he has left at this stage of his career. And his hands are just great. His rush plan is as, as good as they come. It's just the juice in his legs. You can see it. It's it's not the Justin Houston that we remember from, you know, five years ago. Or so. yeah. yeah, man. I mean, it was he was a dominant, dominant player. So uh, how much does he have left in the tank? And to your point, how much do we even want him on the field? Is this are we going to be able to put him out there on first and ten in some of these more obvious four to zero pass rush situations? Yeah, that's that's a good point. And and I was just going to ask you about situational usage here, because I think Houston is at a point in his career and the Ravens honestly have the luxury of having some other good run stoppers on the team with McPhee and Ferguson in particular, um, that they don't need him on the field on first down. Other teams you know, may have needed that, needed the heavy hands, needed the ability to hold that edge a little better. And you know, the Ravens not needing that is part of where I think they can reduce his snap count get him inside and get him in these four outside linebacker packages where he, he probably could be inside or outside. But what we've seen from Justin Houston is that he, he really likes to line up as a wide rusher and get that tackle in space and the naked tackle on the weak side specifically. Okay. Yes. I, I've, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and really when I look at the whole group, how we use this group of outside linebackers, is is more of a mystery than it has been, I think, without Matt Judon in there. So, um, you know, we we weren't getting much uh, uh, pass rush or pressures in this situation in the first place. Uh, you know, losing Yannick and Judon doesn't help with it. So it's a big unknown. Like how? Well, to your point, though, I'm sorry for straying off topic. How are we going to use Away? How are we going to use Hayes? Is Bowser going to be asked to rush more? Um, what about all those threes? I, I, none of those three guys, I mean, two of them's first year in the NFL, but Bowser hasn't been asked to do it a lot. So what kind of production are we going to get from those pass rushers? Where are they going to be lining up? You have Jalen Ferguson. Uh, I know I'm covering a lot of guys in this, but Jalen Ferguson hasn't shown the pass rush chops. He looks to be in a great, great, a lot better shape. But as far as his hand usage and some of his moves, it, it just still looks like all bull rush to me. So this group is very unpredictable, which is why it's a concern of mine. All right, so uh, where to start with all that? Let's let's start with Ferguson, maybe because it's the last thing you said. Is uh, he? I think he's he's looked terrific this preseason, and you know, I, in particular, in, uh, getting pressures that are between two and a half and three seconds. The reason I know they're there is because I'm I'm using a three second standard, and I know PFF is using two and a half. I'm also a little bit more strict with offensive linemen, in particular, not allowing. Um, players to step into the cone where the ability of the of the quarterback to step into his throw is impeded in any way and Ferguson definitely creates some of that kind of pressure which is very useful by the way if you mm-hmm. you can create that that quarterback to throw off one foot and uh, he starts making mistakes with the football the, the ball is not on target the way it should be and and uh, it's a very good thing for the Ravens back end to have that happening um, so he, he's he's a player I would see rushing from the inside on third down, I think they may use him more on first and second down as a guy who uh, eats up some of those snaps, uh, you know, along with McPhee. Yes. Well, you know, I, I want to see Ferguson move to the inside on some of these rushdowns because, uh, you know, it seemed like Jihad Ward got that call last year towards the end when Ferguson wasn't active for these games. So that's something that would really enhance his value to the Ravens. As far as the as far as the other outside linebackers go, I think it'll be interesting to see how they line up. Bowser, Hayes, and Owe. Uh, Owe 
has not yet shown the flashes. So I know what the Ravens hope he will be is a, is a good Sam linebacker, eventually a guy who can definitely drop the cover and doesn't actually have to play the strong side. He just has to have the characteristics to cover that you can uh, confuse with your pass rush and create opportunities for him to drop uh, or Bowser to rush, either one. Um, and then Hayes also already really looks the part as a Sam linebacker. And, and I think he, He'd be kind of the ideal person to play opposite Bowser on third down. It's just they have so many guys who I think want to play on the edge that they're going to end up dropping Bowser into level two on a lot of his of obvious passing situations, going with no inside linebacker and going with six defensive backs. Yes, and I want to expand on that. That's a great point. Um, you know, when you look at the skill sets of these of that of those six, uh, Bowser. And Dalen Hayes stand out as your Sam linebackers. I mean, from the minute we we drafted him, it, it was pretty clear that uh, Hayes was going to be someone who could contribute in coverage. So it's a delicate balance for them. Like, how much do you want to play these guys, and how much do you want to put them at rush end? I mean, what if just uh, you know throw it out there? What if Tyus Bowser or Hayes is our best pure pass rusher or most effective pass rusher? Do you want to overuse them, you know, or do you want to make sure that you have one healthy, one fresh? Uh, so that really puts a lot of pressure, I think, on Adafi away. Uh, you know what McPhee brings to the table, and I expect him to be used on the inside because he's so effective there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Adafi away or Jalen Ferguson, one of the two are really going to have to come to play on these early downs when we're, when we, we're just going to straight rush them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Away will get snaps on early downs. I do see him being used this year more as a situational pass rusher. The reason is, I think it's easier to teach a guy one thing at the NFL level and try and get him to work on that over the course of a season. Then they may decide, you know, hey, we got plenty of pass rushers this year. We don't need a Dafay Away to, to, to generate uh, pressure on third down as much as we need him to play on first down and play the run. That it wouldn't shock me, but I think that they, they're giving up some value there if they uh, don't try and get them on the field some on third down. The great thing about the Ravens outside linebacker core is that it has some buffer to injury, but you still expect injuries with it. So in the case of of McPhee and in the case of uh, certainly of, of Houston, they have two older guys and you'd, I, I would not expect either of them to play all 16 games. Yes, I mean it. In it, you know, you, we keep bringing up the point. Situational pass rushers will. I mean, somebody's got to play and provide pressure on first down. And uh, you know, I guess that's where a lot of my concerns come from. I mean, you can you could tell me uh, three or four different scenarios of how these guys would use, and I, I would say, well, I could see that. I, you know, I could see that. So, um, how it all unfolds, maybe it's just the uncertainty there that uh, has got me concerned, and the fact that we haven't been the best. We've had to. We've had the blitz to get our sacks and pressures uh, by a lot of metrics uh, that I've seen, at least. Yeah, and I, and I'm okay with that. I think deception's more important than numbers anyway, in general. And I think that the fact that the Ravens have done a lot of off-ball blitzing, that they've uh, done a lot of stunts, which have been very effective, by the way. When when they're effective, they're really effective. You find that gap the opponent has that they're weak at. You know, you find Jamon Brown. I think it was for for Philadelphia in week two or three, whatever it was this last year, where they just abused him. Um, and then you can you can stunt to that gap over and over again, or those two gaps next to the, that player. 
Um, yeah, I, I I love the idea that they would still try and use elements of deception as their primary way of getting pressure. So I'm not that concerned about a four man rush specifically because I think when I go across my score sheet, the number of four zeros is relatively small. And by the way, I don't think Jason has done me the honor of of, of using my four zero terminology because I've mm-hmm. used it on the show before. But that's the way my score sheet looks, and so I'm looking at it. If I if I see a four two or a five two, a four two means that four rushed, two dropped from the line of scrimmage. Those four may include blitzes, and I've got them noted in there as well. But it doesn't. It, it, there's four man pass rushes, and there's four man pass rushes uh, that have lots right. of deception. Is the is the point I'm making there? Yes, um, I wanted to touch on the stunts. Uh, this is a counterpoint to my own, show, uh, you know, idea for a show here. But when I look at the skill sets of uh, of Adafi Way, Dalen Hayes, uh, when I look at the big men in the middle, Clayus Campbell's, Derek Wolf, McPhee, I mean, this is all something that they they should be able to do. I mean, the big guys are proven. They're they're going to be able to really take a nice angle, take on two guys, and allow a free rusher to come on those stunts double stunts maybe from both sides and a way has that slipperiness to him, a little bit of slipperiness uh, where he can. And of course he covers a lot of ground quickness. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to have a great first step. As a matter of fact, your first step is kind of delayed on the stunt before you really turn it on and cut Mm -hmm. to the inside. So um, yeah, to counter the counter the show idea, those stunts is something that I'm looking for us to use when we do rush uh, expected, the expected four men. Um, Go ahead. Would it be reasonable that this is a team where we shouldn't expect there to be a single rusher who generates nine and a half sacks this year? I personally think it's very possible six and a half, seven sacks leads the Ravens. And it's a lot of people generating sacks. It's Matabike, Campbell, Wolf getting a couple. It's it's uh, the outside guys all getting their share between, you know, three and six and a half sacks. And the Ravens end up with, you know, 42 sacks or something on the year. And we're, we said, well, we thought that was a problem. It wasn't. It's sure. And Justin Houston himself could cure a lot of this if he just keeps up his production. I mean, eight sacks would be great. Um, but in, in fact, I had just done a show with uh, Sarah Ellison, Jamil Patterson and Jordan Coe, who you all know you've all had on your show. You know him well. All four of us had a different pick for who we thought would lead the uh, team in sacks and, you know, who we thought would finish second. So, uh, you know, it is a it is a big mystery to me. And, um, Ken, I, you know, I also wanted to talk about the guys on the inside uh if you, if you would uh, willing to do that. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of confidence in Calais Campbell. He was actually my pick for the sack leader, this sack leader this year, because I think he was, I was just super impressed with him before his injury, uh, his consistent pressure. He had the three sacks in the Philadelphia Eagles game, which everybody points to and can remember, but on a down to down basis. And I'm sure your score sheet reflects this. It was just pure domination of guards, uh, by Calais, getting in the passing lanes, getting in the rush lanes, which isn't the point of the show, but just handling guards and doing what he wants uh, from them. So Calais Campbell can go a long way, a healthy Calais Campbell, and a, uh, you know, without a decline with the age, him getting up there, uh, could go a, a big, a long way to solve this issue. Yeah, they talk about, you know, four threes being, being the penetrating three tech is what drives it. And even in even when you're spreading the line with five in the three, four, um, what your three tech does against that guard, because that's usually a straight one-on-one matchup uh, that, that you get pretty much every down, if, if you're engaging across the line anyway, mm-hmm. uh, is, is still really very central. And Campbell's one of the best at it. He, he abuses most opponents with his length. Um, he, you know, he's 
talked extensively about his own ability to get low. And when he is low, he's a great player. And when he's not not as low, that's when he most of his troubles occur in some way. But um, I, I hope he's able to do that again this year and, and do some of the things we saw early in the season before the injuries uh, because he was a hell of a football player. And, and I think he still can be. Me too. Me too. And, you know, I have the same type of analysis for Derek Wolf. We've seen, um, you know, if you go to his pro football reference, he can rack up the sacks in a short amount of time. Um, despite the injuries, uh, the games he's missed with injuries, Derek Wolf, when asked to rush the passer, uh, maybe this scheme, this two-gap scheme doesn't do him a lot of justice to show off his pure pass rushing penetration skills. Um, he's a- excellent at stacking and shedding in the run game, you know, and he's asked to do a lot of the dirty work. But uh, if you want to use Derek Wolf, uh, you know, to, for pass rushing or give him, you know, assignments to free him up. I think that he's capable of doing that too. It's just, it's just the how to slice it and how it's going to play out. I, I can't envision, I like a noon, something I can grab onto and say, I, I think this is how it's going to work. And the uncertainty of this, how it's going to come together. Um, it's like I said, it's not a disturbing thing or a major concern, but I would love to see us be able to get pressure with just a four zero rush put our seven best defensive backs in there and, and make Mahomes and, and Baker Mayfield try to throw it into some tight windows. Mahomes, I definitely think that's the strategy you want if you, if you can. Get a four-man rush that's, that's getting home and don't leave yourself compromised in the, in the middle of the field and particularly between level two and level three. But they, I mean, Mahomes had one of his really great games against the Ravens last year and part of it was the failure at inside linebacker, but it wasn't the whole thing. It was, that was just part of the problem is Mahomes just beat the blitz consistently. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You, sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the other player and they were better on this day. But Mahomes wasn't better in the Super Bowl. And yeah. I think, you know, it, it, the, the Tampa Bay has given sort of a blueprint for other teams to go after him and try and be patient. I think the Raiders, when they've had success against Mahomes, it's been some of the same stuff as well. It sure has. And that Ravens game, I mean, there were some perfect throws back foot throws. I, th- I think yeah. he got Marlon and Marcus one each on touchdown passes oh. where it was just like, like you said, Ken, it was a tip your cap type of situation. So we're going to need all the help we can get in the back end. Um, the Kansas city game is, you know, the court, the good, you know, just a superb quarterback that Mahomes is, uh, you know, you're going to need all the help in the back end. And the reason I threw Cleveland in there now, you want to keep Baker Mayfield in the pocket and keep a lot of pressure on him. That's where he tends to shrink and make mistakes. But their offensive line is is so solid and a, a tough group to trick, a veteran group. So I, I think that uh, and then you look at their pass protection. I, I saw Kareem Hunt a lot, Nick Chubb, very good in pass pro. So it's it's kind of hard to uh, generate uh, to maximize your blitz packages against that team as it would be against like the Bengals who completely fell apart last year when we did it. Right. I and mean, that, that's, that's certainly fair. And they probably do have the best offensive line in football going into the season. So there are legitimate concerns of the Ravens ability to get home. I, I'm not sure whether that makes me say they have to use more trickery against, against Mayfield, which by the way, has worked in spades before mm-hmm. or they have to use less. Um, you know, we, the Ravens' success with Mayfield over the last few years has been let's bring all the let's bring all the pressure we can and see how he hangs holds up to it. And uh, you know, in some ways, if that keeps a man in the backfield, that's good. But the other thing I like about about playing the Browns is they don't really have the speediest set of receivers, and so their guys Landry and and Beckham in particular are older guys who 
are good route runners, certainly. But if there isn't time for a play to develop, that that works very heavily against Mayfield. Starts throwing what Chris Collinsworth used to refer to as fadeaway jumpers. Yes. Uh, as passes instead of uh, you know those good line drives. Yeah, that's a good term right there. So, hey, maybe I'm just hyper-focused on the Kansas City Chiefs, but I, I tell you, that is that is a team that it feels like we're going to have to go through to to get where we want this year. And, um, you know, especially with a veteran group towards the end of the season, I, I would really just like the option for Wink to be able to save some of his tricks, not put a lot on tape, and then just beat teams with a with a 4-0 rush there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fair. And, and, you know, one of the things that's been good about Wink is he's been exceptionally good at modifying his game plan to, for, in two ways. One is to match the quarterback and the, and the opponent's weaknesses. So how much pressure you need to get on the quarterback? How much is, is the line letting you get? The other is to adjust it in game. And one really incredible game that, that, that there was a big adjustment, the, the Giants last year, I want to say they, they threw the ball 13 times, but it might have been 15 in the first half. Anyway, 13 out of 15 or 11 out of 13 were ample time and space. The second mm. half, completely different story. They ripped the Giants apart in terms of that pass rush and, uh, and you know, no time to throw, tons of pressure, sacks. Um, you know, it was a really dominant second half. And it's, I, 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 Martindale is so good at adjusting between games and in-game that, that I really don't have the f- same fear um, the Ravens are very well equipped, as well equipped as anybody. Let's put it that way, to handle a quarterback like Mahomes. He's 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 extremely good, and he's been good against the Ravens. But there there isn't any other team that's any better equipped to deal with it. But I tell you, you know, it's a different role for me being the uh, the uh, the naysayer over here, man. I'm kind of kind of digging it, man. I'm kind of digging it. But yeah, um, again, it's it's just uh, you know, I feel like I've been repeating my points. I, I think I've I think I made a lot. Uh, Matabike, you know, could break out and be a, just a one on one nightmare. I expect him. I expect him to be. I mean, it's kind of a unanimous uh, thing among Ravens fans and NFL analysts that that this man's ready to go off. So uh, the inside will help us. Yeah, the, the and it'll be interesting to see how they use Matabike on obvious passing downs. But he would be one of the guys who could give you some early down rush that would be exceptional. Patrick Queen is another. Uh, coming from the obviously not in a four zero method, but coming off line of scrimmage, I'm not sure how much you really lose when Patrick Queen rushes the passer on early down. Not to dig too hard, but you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't it wasn't a strength of his last year. So maybe that's a way you use him is to is to get to the quarterback early and you, you a take a running back out of the play as a as an option to outlet and, and b Queen has shown an, a, a, a quite an ability to beat that running back. Uh, in this preseason against Barber in particular, had a great rep. He's had other reps in the past where he's done very well against running backs. I think you get a you get kind of a double bonus from from having him rush the passer. Yeah, a lot of positives from the non-four guys. Patrick Queen, Deshaun Elliott, Chuck Clark, mm-hmm. uh, Marlowe we saw coming off the edge, Jimmy. I mean, these are all guys who can come and, and create problems in a hurry. This is, this is one of the really interesting things about this year is that the Ravens now have Stevens on the back end for the dime package. Okay, so presumably Clark will move up front. Stevens will be in the back with Elliott, and they'll be in a cover two shell potentially to start a lot of downs. Probably, they, you know, they'll, they'll show single high sometimes. They'll be cover two sometimes. But when they're cover two, it allows for an outstanding switch option that they haven't really had since they had Duan Landry in 2006 in his rookie year. That year... 
um, uh, Ryan did a tremendous amount of outside corner blitzing. Now, when I say a tremendous amount, it was like nine times the whole season, but uh, Samari Roll got a sack uh, in, in that process. And I could see that being something Wink looks to more because usually you have maybe one to two outside corner blitzes in a year. It wouldn't shock me if the Ravens all of a sudden had 14 with Stevens on the back end uh, doing that. And that's not an uh, insubstantial portion of the third downs we'd be talking about that they'd be trying to blitz someone off the outside corner. They can do it. It doesn't have to be 100% the shrunken field kind of lineups where, where you see it a lot, where, where you know they're only as far out as a slot corner to start with. The, the receiver is only as far out as your slot corner would be to start with. So your outside corner blitzes off press coverage. But I would love to see that become another tool in the box for, for Wink this year. So is that a third in long type situations where you'd like to use those? Or uh, I, I'm amenable to just about any. Third and six, third and four. If you want to – well – all, all, maybe third and six, third and seven is about the the least. The, the point the point is you want to get your your safety has to be able to rotate down to at least off coverage of that outside receiver. So maybe mm-hmm. you make it on the first side of the field you, that you see the tendency the quarterback looks to second that you you do this, and then you know you can obviously see the benefit for that from getting a guy in the backfield on that side as well. Yeah, and the great part about it being a safe from a safety's perspective is you know the quarterback's going to have that oh no moment and have to get rid of the ball. Yeah. So you can pretty much read that thing like your Ed Reed. You know, you 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 know what's coming. The ball's going to have to come out because there's no way they can prepare for a, a blitz coming from that angle. You just like you said nine times, you, you don't see it very you don't see it very often. Yeah, yeah, cat blitzes. So it's uh, that's really something. All right. I, I, Pleasure having you on, Jason. We have to keep the material kind of scored f- short for this, but I feel like we could talk about this particular topic for another hour if we wanted to, and, and we have to just keep this a little shorter for the concern series. But appreciate having you on. We're looking forward to having you on at least once or twice during the season. Hopefully, we, we have you on for some other shorts during the season or when events come up like a trade or whatnot. Uh, there you go. Tell folks where they can find your work. Sure. Huddle Adult Films, Twitter and YouTube. Uh, easy to find. I try to keep the name the same. So huddle it up films. And, uh, but yeah, Ken, this was a, a really good topic and I know we wanted to keep it short. We could definitely could have expanded on that. So, uh, <laughs> I tried to throw like 12 names in there and one, one little segment, but, uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, Ken. I appreciate everything you do. All right. Much appreciated. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.